1: Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Laura and Dave, <laughs> welcome to The Mentor podcast, guys.
2: Thank you. Thanks We're excited to be here.
1: Um, normally I, I ask our guests if they've got a question for me, but I usually ask at the end. Shit.
0: You're mixing it Yeah,
1: I'm just going to try something a bit different, but I get a
3: context of what you want to know. This might seem random at the start of the uh, chat, but my question was around chat GPT um, the new AI tool that's going around and I'm wondering how you think we could leverage that. Okay. What's your question, Laura?
2: Um, how do you manage, um, rapid expansion and, um, flow at the same time as
1: a result of rapid expansion? expansion? Yeah. 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 Okay. So obviously we're going to be talking about things like messaging and marketing, et cetera. That's sort of where it is and Mm -hmm. audiences and what people expectations are. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, um, your question, Laura, um, matching expenses with revenue in what type of markets is that the best strategy? Yeah. And in what type of markets is it better to spend before you earn? Mm. Yeah. In other words, yeah. you know, yeah. and that comes to, in other words, it comes down to negative cash flow or burn, yeah. cash yeah. burn. Yeah. And then how do I manage my cash burn? And and that one's about liquidity in markets. Mm-hmm. Where can I access liquidity markets, in other words, can we find investors yeah. or debt? Yeah. And uh, what's the market look like right at the moment? I've got pretty strong views on that stuff as well. Okay, but I'm not going to answer the questions yet. <laughs> but I want to establish the position first. So Bali Body, where did the name come from? Because I
3: actually thought you guys were operating out of Bali and obviously- yeah. don't. No, no, don't definitely not. Rewind back to the start. We were on a career break in Bali when we had the concept initially, so- Oh, really? That yeah. Bali was obviously front and centre because we were, what were you doing? There.
2: Nothing. No, the idea was <laughs> to do nothing. No, but career
3: break. What was uh, it, what, what, what what careers were you breaking from? I was a carpenter, and Laura was.
2: Uh, I worked in um, insurance for yeah ten years. Really? So, yeah, completely different. Um, wow, this pathway. I like totally different. And
1: yeah, totally different. Not no, not at that stage. No, no. Um,
2: so we met at a bar in Melbourne in St Kilda, um, and then I was going to Bali on a on a career break and. I swept Dave off his feet because he uh, <laughs> he decided to come along. Yeah, you know, I said
3: stuff this! I'm not letting her run away, so I went with her. How does a conversation
1: I, like that happen though? Like you're sitting in Bali, great restaurants there, great mm-hmm. bars,
3: and you're kicking back. What is your brain thinking? I know, does your brain run free? If from very early, from when we met, we've had a very productive relationship in terms of wanting to, I think we sort of inspired each other from Inspire, day one. yeah. To do what looking- though? To, to live a good life yeah
2: to live a happy and successful, successful yeah. and nourished life I guess together
1: and does that mean though doing something that nourishes you intellectually and emotionally
3: C- outside of your what were your careers and in insurance and building? yeah we yeah, were very absolutely. tight from the start and we definitely wanted to do something together keeping an eye on some e-commerce brands that had popped up around that time yeah. when that sort of thing was just getting going and People leveraging Instagram a lot, and we thought this is a great business model. We need to get in on this. But obviously, we need a product first. That's a good point. So mm. yeah, because everyone thinks, oh wow, I've got to do something on Instagram. I've got an audience, and I've got, uh, or I'm going to build
1: an audience. But then you've got to have a product to commercialize. Yeah. Did you have an audience first? No.
3: Product first, definitely.
2: a very first product is something we formulated ourselves, literally tipping in different formula amounts of coconut and grapeseed and jojoba until we got that perfect blend that. You know, I did that personally to help eczema and dry skin, which I I still have. Um, And then the product was like, this is amazing, it works, it can be used for suntanning as well as a natural body oil. Um, So that's where like the concept came from. It was for your body, we were in Bali, and it just like really rolled off the tongue, Bali Body. So that's how the brand's name came about.
1: You just mucked around with it. So did you take this little container of your concoction off to Bali to your Balinese sort
3: of retreat? Or, no, and we then, so we were staying in a villa at the time in, in yeah. Changgu, and, and we made that little concoction on the kitchen bench. Yeah, oh, you would bought the stuff there. We'd go back, yeah, yeah it was yep. the supermarket we'd get around on our scooter supermarket and supermarket ingredients. Oh, it wasn't a holiday, it was like a, you're staying there for a
1: while. It was we a career break, there, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. six yeah, months, yeah. Okay. yeah. So
2: we lived in yeah, Bali for six months in Changu, right? Um, okay, so we went over with that intention of we're taking a career break, but pre we left, we started chatting and you know, we saw that. The the space in Instagram, it was purely Instagram then back in 2013. There was no TikTok or, you know, there was YouTube obviously, but it was highly driven from a community point of view on TikTok. Um, Sorry, (laughs) on Instagram. Um, And so, yeah, we did did identify and, you know, you've even had some of the guests that were the the major players, I guess, in that space Mm. at that time.
1: So you got your product Mm -hmm. and you decided... In Bali, to call it Bali Body? Yes. So how did you kick it off on Instagram?
2: Well, you had a um, a mindset. We knew that, you know, this product needs to be global to have, I guess, from our point of view, huge success. Um, we didn't want to tailor ourselves just being an Australian brand. Um, we wanted to have that, that global outreach. So... We we literally got up a map. We printed a map um, and identified the markets that we feel like we want to be in, and we feel would be successful to the brand and resonate yeah. resonate with the product as well because. Obviously, it is a tanning product, uh, sun tanning, um, and a body product as well. But it has to be, um, you know, in the right season at the right time. So being, you know, different seasonalities, Northampton and Australia, we had to um, really target and work out who would be, prof- who would be a good investment and, and when. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did that and we, we identified that obviously Instagram was the, the uh, market for us that we could, you know, get that community outreach on. And we picked key influencers that um, were willing to work with us um, from an unpaid perspective. So back 2013, it was a lot easier to engage um, influencers and I think
3: just through gifting.
2: Just through gifting, yep. yeah, there was a real beauty in the, um, that space at the time where people were like eager to work with people and all grow together. So you know, maybe they did mm. have a million followers back then, but, they believed in the brand, um, they believed in the product, and um, they were happy to collaborate with us.
1: Well, how do you find these people?
2: Through a lot of research, through, yeah, spending hours of flicking, and um, so we launched our Instagram on the July 27th, 2000, and- Still remember. I remember the day, <laughs> July 27, 2014, and we started selling on the 1st of October, 2014, so- what is that? Three months? So, is, yeah, yeah three just months, over. Yeah. Th- yeah, nearly three or so months. Yeah, thirty thousand um, followers. Thirty thousand followers. Yeah, mm. and that was um, daily consistent messaging, daily posting five times a day on our account for the three months, and we've continued to do that.
1: You, you just said daily messaging. Two important yep. words. So yep. repetition. Messaging is about telling a story. Yeah. What were you telling people that? You think engaged them?
2: Yeah, we were, we were telling them what Bali Body brings. It brings a lifestyle, it evokes a feeling of happiness, sunshine, makes you feel good. So, going from the outside.
1: Were you, were you doing it?
2: No. No. I am not the face of the brand. Right. Okay. Um, we were telling that story through copy. And through photography. Right. Very early days in 2014 when we'd launched um, pre, you know, in that July period when we just started the Instagram page, we realised we need to capture our brand and our first product through photography, so we did a photo shoot. How
1: do you pick an influencer or how did you?
2: I guess previously how did we? Um, As I said, we um, identified a market globally Who was um, successful in that market Um, at that time? I guess who's trendy, who's, when I say hot, I don't mean visually hot. I mean, are they, you know, getting large reach, likes, comments? Um, I think necessarily it doesn't matter if someone is visually beautiful. It doesn't mean they're going to be the best fit for your brand. Um, They could have a 70% ratio of male following compared to, you know, someone who is less beautiful in looks and has a high engagement of 90% females that follow follow that person. So I guess it was identifying those key um, people at the time, you know, 2013 and who they were were, and, um, you know, were they successful with um, outreach, were they getting shared, you know, were they promoting other brands, all those things come into play on, on who we picked. Um, we didn't obviously want someone who was... Uh, I don't know if I should say the word. We call them brand. You know, uh, you know they're uh, too many brands. Bra- yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Can we say that? Of course you can. Brand okay. sluts. Yeah. yeah, we <laughs> we didn't want someone you know who was a, a brand slut. Yeah. Um, so you know they were they were promoting you know. Ten Everything. products every day, like that's obviously not appealing. It's not authentic. So, um, that was a part of our strategy, and and even that that still is a part of our strategy today. Um, as we've evolved, obviously over the last you know nearly ten years, um, the landscape has changed, and um, picking up on you know it went through you know massive you know massive influencers to a micro influencer, you know someone who's a bit younger or has a less um, less following, who's more authentic, but more of them. But more of yeah, them yeah, on yeah, a, mass, a micro yeah. on a mass scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, kind of still what we do now. Um, and then the whole landscape has changed again. Um, those influences that we, you know, put spend into now are really on a different platform. So Instagram is, I guess, our storyboard. It's our place where people can come and see the brand and they can look and visually evoke that feeling that we talked about, you know, early on where And check you out. And check us out. Yeah. And then the other platforms are for driving conversion and um, are for creating, you know- hype and why and how so someone needs this product. So much other
1: are talking about? TikTok, what are you talking TikTok, about?
2: TikTok, yeah. So I guess TikTok is, you know, the new go-to um, for brands to create a community, create an engaged community on. Um, I'll give you an instance. We had a product sell out globally um, in January from a dupe. Um, you know, someone's uh, done a bronzing serum um, dupe on our Bronzing serum. So there's a different product on the market that's similar to one of the par- products we have. Um, a girl who was completely free. It was not a paid collaboration. She did this. This is this product. Here's Barley Body's bronzing serum, and it's just as good for fifty bucks less. That's.
3: But why
1: would them. she do it?
2: Well, because she's engaged in our brand and she loves she loves Barley Body and right. it's 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 completely authentic. You can really tell that through her messaging and the way she talks and. As a result of that, it went viral. So, I guess TikTok has a viral aspect that Instagram doesn't have. Um, Went viral. Everyone else started copying, doing the same thing. Our um, retail partner in Australia completely sold out of the skew. We completely sold out of the skew as well. So, I guess TikTok has the power that Instagram had. Ten years ago, um, to drive community and 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 sales and and branding.
1: Well, it'd be interesting actually to uh, ask ChatGPT when it comes to influencers, <laughs> who are the influencers of this particular profile for this particular audience, and see what Chat yeah. Ch- ChatGPT drags out of Instagram. I
2: actually did that. Did um, you? Yeah, I did that for when we we're talking about that before. I did it for um, completely random like a, a market that we have, which is Canada, um, and. I asked who's the best read, um, who's the best YouTubers in Canada in the beauty space, and the results were a little bit funny. So I think it is still, still got to evolving. gain that data. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's still
1: learning. Yeah. Still learning. Yeah, it's, it's there was one out of five
2: that were right. So. Just start kindergarten. Exactly. <laughs>
1: but, but they learn quick. But they learn, yeah. Uh, so I think, good, I, think. I think from some my perspective
2: things. in marketing, there's huge potential to be using that. Yeah. Um, the other thing we asked them, you know, can you can you spit out some EDM lines for a skincare EDM? And it came out with some c- quite good stuff. So I think there's definitely potential to, to use that feature in businesses today.
1: Ultimately, though, you've got to make the call. Yes. You're gonna make the judgment.
2: Yes, exactly. I, I would never let that just spit out information and we actually apply that. I guess like your website, you know, you review yeah. that data and tweak.
1: It's just resource yeah. it's a resource, yeah. stage, yeah, it's resource. It's a resource. Yeah, this a resource. It's another set of hands
2: that yeah, you know you can rely on if you, you know, need to. Pay them. Yeah. Yeah that's <laughs> at right. the moment. At yeah. the moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is at the time was the attractiveness of the messaging? Was it I can look like that? if I'm a, a viewer and a one-year mm. audience or is it um, I need that feeling
2: mm.
1: or um, I want to feel as I'm I'm in Bali when I put this stuff on me. I mean, Yeah, or, what I what think th- it's a
2: combination of everything above, yeah. you just said. I don't yep. think it's just one thing that makes someone think, oh, should I buy that? I think their thought process when they're looking at something is like, do I need it? Does is it? Is it going to make me feel good? And I think Bali Body ticks all those boxes and it always has done. So um, our messaging, yeah, was, you know, this will make you look glowy and look bronzed and give you, you know, nice skin. So that's a part of the copy that was, um, you know, portrayed. And then also the product, um, which has, why it had success is because it was one of the first natural sun care tanning oil and body oil, 100% natural. I'm talking because Dave and I mm. made it in our, in our, you know, villa.
1: So where do you think I mean, obviously, a whole line of products now, but just in your first product, Mm. where do you think you landed? Like, if you had to summarize for your profile customer, Mm -hmm. say at the end of that year in 2014, you might have had 60,000 followers. I don't know how it blew up—30,000 the first three months, whatever it was. How did you? How would you profile your customer with a female Mm -hmm. under 30, whatever? You
2: know, I think with the um, product offering that we had, and I touched on that. Before saying, you know, like it was a seasonal skew, so being a sun tanning oil and a body a body oil, it's really only used in either summer or if you're going on vacation. If you're traveling, yeah. So um, we identified quite early that the the customer was either in summer or they were. Going on vacation, so
1: so it's a vacation buy
2: exactly. Yeah. So no matter
1: where you are in the world, correct. Mm-hmm. Which gave you, which basically which, would get you yeah. flow all year round because you got seasons. We were yep.
2: able to, and then bringing back to the start of our conversation where we got the map up and we identified, you know, the influences, You know, from a global perspective, we were hitting that reach
1: yeah.
2: year round because yeah, it's either summer or it's um, vacation season. So. Um, that was how that profiling of the customer happened. And yes, definitely a woman um, over the years, the customer has evolved in age as our product range has um, evolved as well. So, you know, moving outside of just um, sun tanning SKUs um, with low SPF to skincare and self tan and then um, higher SPF products now. So right. that definitely has had a journey in itself, mm. um, our customer.
1: In terms of one of the questions, so... Have you used ChatGPT yet? Yeah. yep. What have you tried bit. on it?
3: Uh, I've let it help me write sort of just generic like responses to media interviews. Not write the whole thing but just spits out the structure for you and then you just edit it. Yeah. So yep. it does a lot of thinking for you in that regard. Yeah. So in
1: terms of ChatGPT but it w- in terms of your question to me, mm. um, were you more interested in how can ChatGPT maybe write um, storylines or script for
3: your advertising campaigns? My initial thinking for it is could you put it on your website somewhere, some sort of widget, I guess, um, that would help customers choose the right product for them, help Mm. them check out faster, help them find the product that they need because that's like online when you don't have a store assistant to talk to. We've got live chat but that's not always... um,
2: I guess off hours. Yeah, like if
3: if we're asleep, like we're in, in Melbourne so we work business hours but that live chat's not manned after hours so if there's an ai that I can chat to you and say i have this is my type of skin not uh,
1: okay so you're talking about using ai mm. uh, uh, some sort of bot that will talk to your customers you're not talking about using chat gpt you're using you asking uh, using the same sort of technology that chat gpt <laughs> uses yeah and, and basically yep. machine learning ai artificial mm. intelligence yeah i mean it probably already software. exists but i've never seen something work to that level. To the, to the standard. That. Yes. That's a pretty technical question, but I, I, haven't in your industry either, to be honest with you. Um, um we at my financial services business is actually, we're actually exploring that right now. So we've, we've, we bought a license more recently, like only late last year to, um, find out what mortgage holders want, mm-hmm. what type of mortgage you want, you know, like, do they want a variable rate, fixed rate? Do they want it for 30 years or 40 years, are they more interested in having lower repayments per month or paying it off faster? Or you know, blah blah blah. This whole series of questions, and uh, we've only just we've only just signed the license agreement like a month ago. It took us five months to find someone who could give us this machine learning capability. Yeah. We um, embed it into our um, our online uh, webs. We, we have two websites, but we have an online business, which is we have an offline business, and online business. So branches, and we have an online business. And what we do is we actually use it. To find out what we should be talking about on our website, in other words, either video talks from me or others, um, what we should be talking about that our borrowers or potential borrowers want to know about, and we use it to um, guide them. Not as a, not as I say, go to this part of the website, but we use it as a guide. For them, in terms of what they should be looking at in relation to our website. In other words, we don't fill our website with a whole lot of content that's not relevant. Yeah. Because that's just a waste of time. Although we used to, oh, <laughs> so you change we,
3: what you display. Yeah, we change depending yeah, on the customers.
1: Depending what website. what we're learning about what the customers are looking at. Mm.
2: And how often is that at done?
1: Twenty four hours, every minute of every every second of every minute of every hour of every day is it a of every day. Survey,
3: yeah. or are they just constant? Is that AI constantly reviewing? Constantly reviewing the
1: customer, what they look yeah. at, what they like, what yeah. they like, how long they history. sit on it for. Yeah. Yep. So it's going
3: through. It
1: doesn't go through other websites. Yep. Yep as chap gbt does it scrapes the internet yes. it's not scraping the internet; it's just scraping our website yeah and all our material so we okay. send out a lot of digital uh, material all yep. the time we're doing it all, like day in day out mm-hmm. um through instagram edms yeah. but also through podcast on interest rates we survey everything that everybody looks at that comes from us and off the back of that then we the the objective is we're not doing it we only just started, yeah. the, the objective is then to backfill into our website to make sure what we put on the website content is relevant yeah. and it changes. And But this thing is reviewing stuff 24 hours a day. We would like it to go out further into the internet and see who else is successful, who else is a good proxy for us to be looking at and watching what they're doing and and then scrape that back. Um, you can, but right now our we're just sort of doing baby steps at the that's moment. That's yeah. ChatGPT, those – Machine learning algorithms, to be honest with you, they're pretty immature. This has only just started off. And if you use ChatGPT, it's pretty pretty ordinary. In fact, it's 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 limited to it. It only goes up to 2020, 2021, 20, by the way. Oh, it goes back just that far? It only goes back that far. So it's oh, limited. Really? Okay. Because so, yeah. it hasn't been broadened out yet. Yeah. Um, but – so you, you're, it only gives you sort of general views, but it, it will evolve.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And as
1: it evolves, what we're doing hopefully also evolves. So we've licensed some software from one of the big organizations. Yeah. And and uh, we're probably one of the first to do it in our industry. In fact, we are the first. Um, but it's only because I like doing that shit and um, and, uh, and I can afford to do it and it's a bit interesting. <laughs> but but uh, I, I can't say to you at this stage it's improved anything. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We got no. You haven't we,
2: seen the value yet.
1: No, no, and I have spent a lot okay. um, on it. It's very expensive.
2: Well, what does that do to the jobs within your business?
1: Well, it? it hasn't. It won't replace any jobs for us. Okay. No, because at the end of the day. My my market, my type of business, because at the end of the day, people still want to go and see somebody because they need to see someone about how much money they're going to borrow. They're borrowing a hell of a lot of money. You just tell me I'm doing the right thing. I guess for the
2: beauty market though, how does that, you know, for our market, how does that play out? Yeah,
1: I I think people still need other people to endorse things. Um, So, I mean, I think these AI softwares for businesses like yours, retail businesses, are going to be really good for filling out your websites to make sure that, and or landing pages, for yeah. example, for
3: campaigns yeah. to make sure that you are asking the right questions and providing the right stuff. Three or four versions of uh, say your home page and then the AI decides which one to spit out, or is the yeah, AI that actually writing no, it's, new it's content? Writing new content for us. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You checked it. What's yeah, writing? Yeah, it's not <laughs> not perfect
1: <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so we do so we do edit it. Yeah, right. Okay. We got a team of guys who, yep. and girls who just edit this stuff before it goes up. Uh, before it goes up, yeah. yeah. Cool. So we look; it, it makes a suggestion, so to speak, but it doesn't actually um, Im- embed it. Yeah. We embed it, and we are making changes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it, it's sort of a, right now for us. It's very rudimentary, yeah. mm-hmm. but it is still learning. Yeah, and it's got to continue to learn about us mm-hmm. and what's relevant for us. And by the way our customers' views change. So in a moment, right now we've got, for example, um, the interest rate's really high, um, property prices are going down, so it's got to learn about that. Last year what it was learning was irrelevant to what it's learning now. People have a different mindset, so it's changing its views on stuff. So what is important to people right now is how do I, for example, one of the things we found out about it is a product that we've just launched is – People are quite happy to refinance. They want to refinance. What they, instead of Most loans are 30 years, it's, it's, but we found that the people would, would be happy to take a 40-year loan because what it does is it spreads the same principal amount, repayments out over 40 years instead of 30 years, which means they don't really care whether they pay it off faster or not. They just want the repayments per month to be less. Because most people's mindset, and we, we ask the question why, most people's mindset is they're going to flip the house in two or three or five years anyway. They're not going to stay there for the rest of their life. A lot of like "My mum and dad's who bought a house and they stayed there for a whole life, still living there. Yeah. Um, the, most people today, particularly your generation, yeah. sure. buy the house three or four years, we have a couple of kids, we need a bigger house, we want to get a better joint, we are making more money, whatever it is, you flip it. So you couldn't care less <laughs> whether you've got a, if you're paying the thing off over 30 or 40 years, you're just making your payments each month. You just want to make sure you're paying the minimum amount but you got the joint. Yeah, so we then launched a 40-year product. Yeah. No one's got 40-year products except us. Okay. So we have launched a 40-year Homeland product. Now, to do that, of course, we had to go through a whole lot of hoops with regulators and all that sort of stuff, but there's a now 40-year product. So people are saying, yeah, I'll refinance. I don't even care with your interest rates less. Yeah. If my repayment's less, is all that matters to me yeah. based off what the bot learned for us.
2: So it's, it's done a lot then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. So help
1: us build a product. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. But guys, I'm going to
1: go to the break. I'm going to come straight back. Hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, no worries. Because um, I, I don't know your industry, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, but that's that's an example of how these things can work. Yeah. But one thing I will say about, I think, about all industries is that it's at, it's at an, an immature state right now and it's going to learn. But you, in order to make it work for you, you've got to actually get into it because it's got to learn more about your market and yeah. your business. Yeah. And the quicker you start it off. The better. Yeah. And even if you do it at a rudimentary level, then in a basic I'm saying not at yeah. an expensive level. Yeah. Something you don't overcommit to. Yeah.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: So, your, your business, I'm actually fascinated. So, I've got a couple of your products here. Yep. I've got a gradual face tan. Right. So, obviously, you put on and you tan your face a little bit over time. Correct. Correct. Okay. Gradually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. quite light. So, um, how many SKUs or how many uh, products do you have? About 50 active SKUs wow. at the moment. 50
2: SKUs. Yeah.
1: And are they, they, they all yours or are they done in collaboration? They're collaborations? Or? All our
2: SKUs. Yeah.
1: You'd have ingredients coming from other places around the world. Not- the
2: raw materials, yeah. yeah, yep, but the actual formulations. of. Are-
1: and how do you go about finding somebody to, I don't know what they're called, what are they? I know if you're doing a food item as a food scientist, what is it, skin scientist? What form, form,
2: yeah, product Contract formulators. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, And would they have scientists in there who yeah. put all this stuff together? But you give them, you will give them um, like a brief. Right. Yeah. You say, this is what I want, this is what we want our customers want. Um,
2: What the customers want, that's what it is. It's not what we want, it's what the customers want. And how do you
1: find out what customers want in Um, order to brief the manufacturer?
2: Well, that's done through, I guess, um, market research in terms of external as well as internal. So,
1: Do you use external contractors? We use
2: um, parties where they can give us um, like key um, raw material suppliers. For example, they'll send us reports and say this um, type of ingredient is going to be trending in... X 2025, right. or and we can use that um, research and then incorporate those rules into future into product.
1: Unusual to use someone in Australia, I guess, but is it do you use that for a particular reason? Do you, is it because you want to show provenance? You want to say hey, it was put together in Australia so you don't have to worry about how it's
3: put together? Uh, it's a trust and quality thing that we've always been um, all over from day one. So we, we were in Bali, had the sample. And then we built the business to where we could. And then we thought we can't launch this business here in Bali. It's too hard. Um, we moved back home to Melbourne, moved in with Laura's mum, set up a bit of a clean room and we made the first product ourselves completely from start to finish. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the next step, uh, very quickly it was, we couldn't keep up with the workload, just the two of us. Um, and then it was like, All right, who can we get to make this product for us? Started researching, had no idea what we we're doing, mm-hmm. discovered contract manufacturers who have a, a lab in house. As you said, you go to them with a brief of, of what you got or we took our existing formulas to them. They were happy to take them on and then we could also start to develop new products with them.
1: On that is, and I think this is an important one because I've seen it happen in uh, alcohol b- brands and other types of things, um, protein businesses, protein shake businesses. How did you go about making sure that whatever the formula was that the contract manufacturer makes belongs to you and they don't say, well, no, that's ours?
3: Well. Did you know about that? Uh, initially, well, it wasn't crossing our mind. Now no, no, now it's front and centre, but it's also not, we don't always go to a contract manuf- manufacturer and say, this is our brief and we want to own this IP once you develop it because a lot of them, they won't want to borrow it. They would Because they've got to own it. Well, they put all the time and effort to develop it. Yeah. They want to manufacture it as well because that's where they make the money for yeah. manufacturing, not developing products. Yeah. So it's a partnership and a long-term partnership. Like we've been, I think our two main manufacturers are in Melbourne um, and they've been with us for Five six years. What? But what happens? Um,
1: and I don't know if you thought this through, but mm. and I have seen this. What happens when someone comes along, with like you know, L'Oreal comes along and says, "Look, look, guys, we love your staff. We're going to get off your ridiculous
3: price."
2: But you don't own it.
3: Yeah, but uh, and but you don't own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what? Have you thought that through? Yeah, we have. Um, I mean, we could go to our contract manufacturers and start a negotiation process to, to buy, buy it our formulas. Yeah. It hasn't been required yet. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, obviously that would detract from a sale price, yeah. Because I saw, I saw this happen with a
1: well-known protein shake in Australia and the uh, buyers of the protein business were paying a crazy amount of money for it. And, um, and it's a you know number one protein business in Australia, protein shake business in Australia, if I could call it. It's more a food supplement but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, and, uh, but in the end they had to go and buy. The, the buyer of the protein brand had to go and buy the manufacturer as well Manufacturer okay. said yeah. Manufacturer said we're not gonna sell you the we will not sell you the license or the IP. Yeah. You gotta buy us. Mm, okay. The whole business.
2: Yeah, right. And uh um, increase?
1: Could, yeah, yeah, But and and they end up paying twenty seven, twenty eight, I oh don't know, thirty million bucks for that business, just that business alone. Um it, it was a lot less than the total business, but it doesn't matter. Um and I just think it's a it's an important factor. It is, consider. it's definitely
3: been considered yeah. over the years. But if you wanna to- we're not always in a position to go and say, develop this for us and then we own it. But yeah. They'll just say no. they got no. Because yeah, no, no, we can take it, like if they start to stuff us around, they have a raw material delay, we'll say, we own this. We're going to take to another contract manufacturer. You've got a quicker lead time and then they're fucked. So yeah. they protect themselves and it hasn't. Come back to buy. Do it you share it though? I mean, can can you can you? We
2: can we can reformulate with another yeah, party. You can, you can
1: reformulate. So you, do you know so, the
3: formula?
2: Yes, we do. We know the formula. So they tell
3: you it's you know two ounces of this and
1: two. The no.
2: We don't know.
3: Ge- generally, they generally they, don't they give you the exact formula down to the percentages, but they'll give you obviously the ingredients list and a, a formula with variances. Um, but the so, their IP, they try and closely guard so a lot of So it's not time. a constraint on you, they're moving. You can move it to no. somewhere else and pretty much come out with something similar. You, you could because we supply the packaging. Yeah. We've created the concept, I guess, with them. So technically, if we wanted to go down that route, we could um, cancel working with those contract manufacturers and go and reformulate and and do it somewhere else. But it's not
1: Because I ran into this problem many years ago in my, my financial services business and um now, sometimes people talk to me the wizard business, but some, sometimes people ask me a question about it and uh, about the three questions that Kerry Packer asked me when I when he came into my business as a shareholder. And the third question he asked me was exactly that. He said, "Where do you get your money from to lend to consumers?" And um, and obviously we weren't a bank, so we weren't getting it from depositors. We we're getting it from a foreign bank who had a subsidiary in Australia who lent me a billion dollars at a time and visited, we said a billion dollars at a time and we repackaged it into, you know, $200,000 loan, 250000 whatever. And he said to me, he said, well, you've got to buy that money manufacturer effectively because one day if you ever want to sell the business, um, they can hold you to ransom. We ended up buying it yeah. after one year. Um, but he identified it as a problem because he said even at Channel 9 in those days, he said we used to buy, he used to buy all these TV packages that he let us watch on Channel 9 from Warner Brothers and I don't know, whoever these people are. And he said every now and then something would be really successful, the show would be really successful. You go back after three years and
3: renegotiate Mm. the next five years and they jam it up you. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. The contract manufacturers that we work with, they manufacture for a lot of other brands as well, a lot of brands bigger than ours as well. So it wouldn't be as simple as just buying out and they probably wouldn't be open to it anyway. Yeah,
1: Um, it's a a very interesting
3: uh, conundrum. It's a good thing because if you get
1: really big, that means you're really big and that's when your problem arises. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's a a conundrum and it's worth – it's worth, for any new players, for example, it's worth yeah. thinking about. It is, yeah. I think
2: in the initial initial stages of setting up your business for a startup, for example, it'd be something that you would um, maybe Especially try and negotiate. for your, first, your those, first
3: formula. If it was your luck, you're, it's going to be the one formula that makes your brand. It's yeah. what you're known for forever. Yeah. Then, yeah, you'd want to try and make sure you own that IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: think also we don't put our eggs into, you know, well, so you're are, de-risking it. Yeah, exactly. As, as opposed
1: yeah. to saying we own it, you're going to say, how do we de-risk yeah. not owning it?
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Is,
1: that's, that's a very good strategy. Yeah. And, and so de-risking, you, in other words, you're playing a really good defensive game yeah. to make sure you don't get screwed over at the end of the day. And I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen anyway. I quickly want to talk about scaling So, because mm-hmm. you asked me about scaling. So how do you scale? I don't know, what are your thoughts about scaling into um a market that might have a global recession, which let's say with 2023 ends up that way. Are you a recession-proof type business? In other words, people still buy the stuff? Yeah. In I recession?
2: Think, well, I say, yeah, I hope so. Um I, th- I feel like we've built the brand up over the last, you know, nine nine years to make, make sure that's the case. Have you
1: priced into the, into the category where you're not- Correct. You're yeah. in the right category. You're not yeah. the most expensive. You're not the cheapest
2: we're, we're definitely in the middle, the middle yeah. playing field. We haven't gone, you know, crazy end on the, on the prices and we're not cheap where it's, you know. The-
1: Is this on the discretionary spend list though? In other words, when I, when I start cutting my costs, I look at those things, a non-discretionary discretionary. Absolutely. At-
2: Cause they feel good products. So, you know, I guess from a point of view of a woman and, and our products are mainly focused to women, um, you still, you know, no matter if you're Getting broke, you're going broke. You still do want to feel good, so that twenty five dollar purchase that gives you, you know, confidence and makes you get up and feel good is something that you know you you'll add into your budget and you won't go without. So Okay,
1: because that, that's an interesting concept because COVID taught us something. yeah COVID taught us that. During tough times, people want to spoil themselves. They want to go to the hairdresser, they want to get their nails Absolutely.
2: Done, they um, want to look good.
1: Cosmetics, um, et cetera. Um, yep. and, um, and if we're going through a recession, you know, we could be going through a tough time. People may, unless they're completely on the bones of their butt, right. you know, in terms of re- revenue, I mean, yep. it, this might sort of go down the list. Your product might go down the list if it gets cut. In other words, you, you Some someone's going to get cut, you want to be at the bottom of the list, in other words, one of the last to get cut.
2: Yes. As exactly. opposed to be
1: one of the top to get cut. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be the expensive restaurant part or the nightclub part or yeah. the the super expensive running shoes or the, you know, the you know, the common project shoes compared to um, getting a pair of Nike six hundred versus two hundred. You know, you wanna be in that territory. Yeah. So you price yourself defensively into that territory. So if you have a but just to say, generally speaking, you have a dip in revenues, which is say my business, the financial services business, mortgage business, we're actually experiencing that right now. Less people borrowing money, less people buying houses, less people borrowing the same amounts, borrowing less less amounts. So therefore revenues are down. So what do you do during that period? How do you approach that period? Do you approach that period as a period where I'm going to spend money to invest in for when things kick off again, mm-hmm. which, you know, generally speaking, In our country, at least, uh, somewhere between 12 and 14 months. We have downturns for 12, 14 months, and we have upturns for five, six years. Do you invest now for when it turns up, or do you just turn your investment down? In other words, spend relative to your
3: revenue? So, revenue comes down. So, trying to maintain my margin. Where do you guys go? I think, I'll let you answer, but I think we'd go harder, like we did at the start of COVID. We sort of had a group meeting on when COVID. Started to happen globally, and we we're like, "This is bad and bad." And, and I was sort of like, "Fuck, this is a massive opportunity," and we went real hard, and it paid off. We had a massive boom for COVID. But um, well, people were, but people. The thing that turned out really well
1: for COVID, Dave, was that people got, actually had got more money, accumulated yeah, more money during that's COVID, true. and they had nothing to do. Then they, correct? <laughs> yeah, um, and through no help of their own, it just happened. You know, it was just manna from heaven, yeah. prosperity dividends flowing from governments and around the world everywhere, right? Not just in Australia, everywhere, the whole world. Yeah. This recession is the opposite. So, In this recession, governments are actually dragging money back out of the economy. They're so actually changing the, the liquidity, what they call M2. They're taking money out of the system yeah. on purpose. They're not talking about it, but they're doing it on purpose, big time. Um, so people's savings, Australians, for example, accumulated $250 billion during the COVID period. Yeah. That's now being spent, being spent. It's not spent, but it's being spent what happens if people start to say oh, i've just got enough money to pay for a mortgage you know send the kids to school which is you know cost of living has gone up pay for lettuces and whatever it is they're spending 10 bucks an item on i mean do you do you think maybe there's do do
3: you feel in relation to barley body or bb that there might be risk there's always risk i feel we would work or will work really hard to position our products as a must-have so this is not something you can go without and just simply cross off the list. Yep. It's something that you need to have as part of your weekly shop. I think Um, we've
2: seen in um, the successful launch, we launched into Woolworths um, mm, globally. Yep. Sorry. Nationwide. Nationwide. (laughs) Um, And at the start we were hesitant as to launch into a grocery space, Um, but we saw how successful the launch was because Now in this era, it's your self self tan. So our our core SKUs are actually self tan products. So. They stain your skin. So you apply, it's like a mousse or fake a tan. foam. It's fake tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically those core products are now inbuilt into your grocery shop. So right. it's like you're getting your lettuce and you're getting your tan. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like a, It's a no-brainer. It's just a natural progression through the, through the aisles of your woolly shop. So it's, weekly. That's, it's a weekly occurrence. And I think we're, we've, we are bulletproof. Hope, yeah. touch so it's a it. non
1: discretionary buy. Exactly, it's like buying groceries. I buy in te- I buy yeah. product as well. Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
2: So I think that's how we've um, future proofed
1: ourselves. Well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. And, and I, by the way, I don't think it would be a very long recession anyway. And, um, and if we indeed we have a recession, but it won't be a very long one. And you know, the biggest issue in recessions is people start losing their jobs. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that's going to happen. So you I know, mean, because that job. Unemployment number is pretty strong, still yeah. very strong. So, if unemployment, the thing that you gotta watch, keep an eye on is the unemployment number. Yes. If the unemployment number goes to six or seven percent, we'll maybe get worried a bit. But yep. if it stays around, you know, three and a half to four and a half, mm. people still got enough. They've still got a job. And yeah. if they've got a job, they're earning money. Yeah. They'll pay all their stuff and they'll buy their non discretionary stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and, and uh, until that changes, and goes beyond four and a half, five percent. Probably we
3: we're going to be okay. It's going to be
1: yeah. one of those recessions,
3: mm. which is not really a recession.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. You know? Our I
3: target that- market, so tends to have a bit of disposable income as well. Yeah, stop between twenty and thirty before they yeah. get serious and have kids and get a house and whatever. Your question is around scaling. Mm. How do you scale a business, or when do you scale a business?
2: In I guess cash flow with major um, retail expansion is. What I'm kind of after, how would you how would you manage that? Process? Yeah, how would you
1: manage the the cash burn? Yes, yeah, uh, there's only one way to manage cash burn, unless you've got retained earnings, I mean I, I don't know what the position is, unless you've got retained earnings in the business, um, then clearly it has to be about the investor market. Can you raise money mm-hmm. off the back of being a more? I mean that that's a good story. Oh, we're in Woolworths, uh, across Australia. We predict this is what's going to happen. We need to raise X amount of dollars because there'd be a cash burn between putting um, um, manufacturing the stock, putting the stock on the shelves and selling the stock
3: mm-hmm. and getting paid. Getting paid. More importantly,
1: that's 90 days or something. What is it? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I can disclose terms, but, but yeah, whatever it is, up near there. It's yeah, around yeah. those. So you know, tough, yeah. you, you got a you got a six-month burn or yeah, something exactly. along those lines. Between and that's for
2: k- our yeah. AU market. So I guess for us, our biggest markets is global US Europe, which even adds another five months onto that. Yes, yeah. So, so freight, that, that means
1: raising money. Yeah. To me, and uh, the question then becomes, what's the appetite for raising money at the moment? Um, there is there has been a liquidity shrinkage in Australia. For Startups, well not startups for investment type vehicles like your, your like your type of business, mm. but it's funny it changes from week to week. Um, so you get funds at the moment, or just go and raise a couple hundred million. They have to find, and a lot of times they need to have a seed a seed investment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's timing, but it's also about
3: finding the right organization who can run the book for you. Mm. Yeah. So That's- Mark, I'll tell you, we've never raised money, and we probably never will. Yeah. I don't think. No. Then so how yeah. will you fund your cash flow well, that's what we're deficit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only other way is but debt. Yeah, I know. It's, oh, it's either debt or, or investor. It's an issue that's going to become prevalent recently. We've, our bread and butter is e-com. That's how we got started and we were strong there and still are. But that was our first sort of five then years. Then it's debt. So, yeah, yeah you could, I think You're going to yeah. have to raise
1: money. You have to borrow money or get investors to put money in. Because yeah. if you... Or put your own money in, one of the two, one yeah. of the three. So let's eliminate the third one for the moment. Um, if you can... If you don't want to raise money, in other words, you don't want to invest, you don't want to dilute your position, then you've got to borrow money. If the question is, can we borrow money, it depends on how much money you need to borrow. But there are lenders out there right now. There's lenders out there right now, and I won't name them because it probably wouldn't be fair to say that, but banks, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: particularly newer banks, some of the neo banks, who will lend money up to – one in particular will lend money up to $5 million, unsecured. In other words, secure but not secure against property.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: They'll secure it against the business um, and they'll lend up to $5 million. But you've got to be able to show them that the money will come home at some stage, yeah. you know, that, that yeah. you can repay the five. Yeah. And their interest rates are pretty reasonable. Their interest rates today probably about 7.5%, but a mortgage rates are 5.5%. So, you know, that's about right. That You know, one year ago they were 4.5%, but they're 7.5% at the moment. And if you present it properly to them, um, then uh, you know I'm pretty sure that, th- that you're the type of customer that they're looking for. You know, you f- you fit right into the sweet spot mm-hmm. of what they're looking for. You know, you're a well, well-known business, well-established business. I assume you were profitable before. You know, you're profitable business because you've been b- you've been investing, you've been yeah. you've been funding yourself. Yeah. So you are the sort of business they would like to see expand. Yeah. So debt is the f- cheapest form of cash or funding equity is the most expensive form for shareholders because you've got to give too much away. And if you start trying to give something away at the moment, you're going to give too much away because there's not much liquidity in the marketplace by investors. So they're looking to get super good deals. In other words, they try to screw too much equity, but they'll also try and buy control. And what I mean by that is they'll buy, they won't own 51%, they'll only buy 25% or whatever, but they'll buy a veto right where they effectively can say no to everything. Yeah, so it's a bit of a tough period for yeah. people looking for investor market, yeah. but it's a good period right now if you're a profitable business to get debt. Okay. And there are a couple of, I, I, I don't want to say the name, but you know, I'm, I'm giving you tips, look up the new, <laughs> newer banks, they're not, they're not the uh, digital banks. These are n- uh, new banks. Been around for maybe, This one, one in particular I'm thinking about has been around for maybe five years. Um, it's full of a whole lot of ex-NAB guys and girls. Mm-hmm. They're very good and they lend up to $5 million without a mortgage over real estate. Wow. Now, I'm not just saying they will, <laughs> but they do. And I know of occasions we do. it. They lend from between 500000 and I don't know how much money you need to raise, but between 500000 And five million. And they'll take a security if they take a fixed and floating charge over the business, which is, that's fine. That's no big deal. And then, if, and, but they want to make, but it sounds like your type of business, you'll be able to show them, like within one year when we, you know, when we start getting paid, and you can give them data to show why you will get paid because you know things are moving off the shelves. You're already in the shelves, right? You're already, yeah.
3: So it's working. Yeah. It's becoming apparent that it could become an issue if you don't closely. Manage
2: monitor it, monitor yeah. your, you yeah. But if you want to much. get
3: less than five five uh, 500000 then there
1: are other mobs uh, who aren't banks, they're non-banks, but they lend up to 500000 So there's a few of those around too. Yeah, okay. And uh, they, because they, I know, like I, I've seen, and I know the guys from these places, mm-hmm. but I've seen them do it where people at Christmas time know Christmas is a big period, they need to stock up. Yeah. They go and borrow two hundred fifty grand. They pay it back in February. Yeah. Yeah. And and they go every year during that those hot periods of their of their of their business. Yeah, they just they they they've got to stock up quickly. You got to fill it. It could be shelves or whatever they're doing. They stock up. They they take all the revenue in for the Christmas period. Then they, as I said, they go and repay. There's there are mobs around to do this sort of stuff. But to do that, you have got to make sure you go, go find someone who knows what they're talking about, who can broker that for you. I and mean, just go to one of these mortgage brokers or there's brokers everywhere. finance brokers, and just find one and they they'll find this stuff for you in you know, a heartbeat. A business like yours, it's different you your start-up than your struggle, yeah. Yeah. but you're not. Yeah. And sometimes, it, and I know, Dave, you don't need it, but sorry, Laura, for kicking you the, But sometimes you don't, I know you don't need it, but sometimes it's really good to have the facility on standby.
2: Yeah. yeah, okay, as an option.
1: And It doesn't have to be five million. It can be whatever, but it's on standby and you just pay a small fee for the non-use of it.
3: And because they have, they have to commit funds, but it's a standby facility. Yeah, I guess it means if you did land suddenly, like a major in the US, you got seven thousand. Taste the pressure her. You got to and, yeah manufacture that. And you, you go on to the mob you're talking to whoever is in the US. And yeah. you say, yeah, we'll do the deal and we can start ready next month.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess that's yeah. probably where we're we're going more so with the question. Yeah, you know, when get you're set. getting ten thousand dollars, it's twenty million dollars of stock that you need to produce. But and- you
1: got to be ready.
2: Exactly. And
1: to, if you yeah. want to expand and you want yeah. to get uh, scale, you have got to be ready to do it. Yep. You don't want to then go back to the banks. And Kerry Pack told me something really important one day. Someone came to us and they said, um, "We'll give you um, sixty million dollars to invest in your business." One of the one of the uh, a European bank mm-hmm. in the Whiz business, and, and I said, "We don't." I said, yeah, "We don't need the money." Mm-hmm. He said, "Son, the money's on the table. You take it." He said, "Because I can tell you now, the day you need the money, mm-hmm. you won't be able to get it." He said, You only get the money when you don't need the money. (laughs) He said, So take the money now, and then if, and we'll spend it if we need it. But we, in our case, we gave some equity away. He didn't care, but it was $60 million. You gotta pay for that money, don't you? No, we gave equity away. But it didn't matter to us. Like, we, like, it was a bit sort of slightly different business, worth a lot of money at that time. But, but, and we're going back. 20-odd years, we wouldn't be able to get bank money because we were fighting the banks so they would never give us money so they're never going to help us along. But he said if the dough's available, you take it if it's – and because the day – so what I'm saying to you is if a facility is available to you, you should get it now because nothing's sure if you go to a bank or somewhere when you need money really quickly to fulfil a deal that's been put in front of you that's a great deal, yeah. you're going to find it really hard to get it. yeah. yeah. Yeah, For sure. Point, it's just yeah. how it happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. CBS. So it's worth talking to some people who do this sort of stuff.
2: Okay. Interesting. Well, Thank I, you. I
1: think I, this, is, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to see Aussies doing so well. I'm glad to see you haven't had to give any equity away. That's so cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I, I really love your packaging. I love your name. I, I just, Thank you. it just evokes so much, yeah, like in my mind, like about, uh, you know, what the product does. I like the fact that it started off as a, an all natural thing because it's funny, you know, I, I don't have expert in me, but I get dry skin sometimes, and mm. I, I try the coconut oil on my mm. skin. I just love the way it feels, it feels mm, really it's nice, it's very luxurious. Yeah. Yeah, like it feels like it's sort of doing something. It yeah. makes me think of the beach. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, everyone used to get sprayed with coconut oil. At yeah. Bondi. Yeah. You <laughs> what pay two bucks and they spray you. you know? Yeah. Like uh, it just it, it, it's very evocative.
2: Yeah. It the makes smell, the whole emotion. thing. Yeah. Very
1: evocative and yeah. uh, and good on you. Well done. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks Thank for coming. You. In. Thanks for
3: having Hello, us. No worries.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistant, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.